0: see you all this morning Uh, an hour later if you remembered good for you if you were just here for a half hour early before second service welcome to first service good to see you all here this morning if you have a bible i want to invite you to open that bible with me or smartphone or ipad whatever you got to first kings chapter 17 first kings chapter 17 that's where we're going to be today And before we get there, I want to say a welcome to you. I'm Tim. I'm the campus pastor here. If you're here for the first time, I'm so glad that you're with us. And then we want to say a welcome to our Easton campus who watches us over in Easton by video every single week. We're so glad to have them here with us. North Attleboro, let's give them a big welcome in. Good to see you, Easton. All right, we're going to talk about your best life ever. We opened this series last week. It is a financial series, but it is not your typical financial series. It is a whole life series. And how many of you were here, uh, unfortunate for the storm, not many of you were here, but we had a good crowd nonetheless. How many of you were here um, last week? Yeah, okay. See, a lot of you missed, and then I shared this illustration And it's so important that you get this because it's kind of a foundation for everything that we're building on today. Uh, For those of you who were here last week, what is this? Your life. That's right. Oh, that, that was wonderful. You all remembered. this looks like a rope, but we symbolized your life with this rope. The Bible says your life is everlasting. It, it, it began when you were born or when you were conceived, and it's going to cross from death into life, into a new dimension, a new reality that goes on for how long? How many know how long it goes on for? Eternity. Eternity. And so I said you got to imagine that this rope is the length of your life. And so you just got to Bear with me now, you got to just do a little imagination, and imagine that that rope, which is 50 feet long, imagine it just goes on and on and on for eternity. It just goes on and on, just like you, just like me, We're all, we are all eternal beings. And then I said that the first part of this rope is, is duct-taped red, and that symbolizes the 70 to 90 years, if you are lucky, that you will spend on planet Earth sucking oxygen. And this is how small this segment of our lives is compared to the rest of the rope. And it's so important that we get this because we talked last week about having a proper perspective. Because most of our problems with finances and most of our problems with money and worry and stress are summed up in obsessing about this little red section of the rope. And many of us make this horrible mistake. We spend the middle part of this red section really, really stressed about the last half inch of this section. And we worry, and we work, and we strain, and we toil, and we ask ourselves very worrisome questions. Am I going to be able to retire Am I going to be able to have enough? Will I have enough? Am I going to be able to play golf in Florida? Will I be able to make it to the end with enough? And we stress about this little half-inch section, all the while forgetting that this comes and goes before we know it. I mean, consider that the world... Low estimates are the world's 6,000 years old, and so it could be millions of years old, who knows. But in light of eternity, this section that you spend on earth is very, very minute. And you worry and you stress about it when you forget about what's coming after that section the Bible calls that eternal life. We don't think much about this. Because we're too preoccupied with this, much like the man in Luke chapter 12 last week. And we talked about Luke chapter 12, the parable of the rich fool, that he obsessed about this laugh half Finch, and he said, now I'm good, eat, drink, and be merry, I've got it, I've got my retirement plan, my 401k, my big barns, my plenty of crops, I'm going to sit back, I'm going to eat, I'm going to relax, and I'm going to be euphreno. We talked about that last week, euphreno, I'm going to take it easy, and God said, "Aphreno, you fool which is the diaphragm has lost its wind. You fool. This night, Jesus said, this night, God said to him, your soul is required of you. Then what? Then this begins. All of us, all of us in this room, this is crazy to think about, are going to be down this rope someday. 2,000 years from now, 1,000 years from now, whatever. What's that red part really going to matter? What's it going to matter if we made it to the 50-yard line of the Patriots game? What's going to matter if we had a 55-inch TV, HDTV, 3D HDTV? What's it going to matter what kind of car we drove when we're into the white? That's why Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in where? In heaven, where nobody can steal it, nobody can destroy it, no rust, no moth can, can annihilate it. It's going to last forever. And I don't want you to miss those words that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, store up for yourselves. So this is a personal investment. When you put money to work in the kingdom, when you invest in other people, when you are generous, when you feed the hungry and clothe the naked and sponsor a child overseas and give to a missionary work and, and tithe to your local church, you are investing in eternal treasures that will come back to you Jesus says this, this last line in the parable of the rich fool from Luke chapter 12 in verse 21, and I don't want you to miss the last three words here. He says, so it is, so it is with the one who lays a treasure for himself and is not, what's the last three words? Say them with me. And is not rich toward God. He doesn't say rich toward the poor. He doesn't say rich toward other people. He doesn't say rich toward their kids. He said this guy, this fool who worried about the last half inch of the red section this fool is just like anybody who is so preoccupied with now that they make no effort to invest in the kingdom to invest in god who is not rich toward god this week's message last week a proper perspective this week a proper priority if you're taking notes a proper priority when it comes to money, when it comes to finances, we need to be rich toward God. We are called to love the Lord, our God, with how much of our heart? All of our heart. All of our soul. All of our mind. All of our strength. That's everything. In Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said it like this, Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and everything else will be added into your life. You're not gonna have to worry when you put God first. You're not gonna have to stress, Easton, when you put God first in your life. You put him first, the rest will take care of itself. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 is the priority for every child of God. Here's the priority: three words. God comes first. God comes first. Let's all say that together. God comes first. Not my wife, not my kids, not my home, not my job. God. He said in Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, you shall not trust anything else before me. You shall not worship anything else before me. You shall not love anything else more than me. You've got to put me first, because here's the promise. When you, put the, when you put God first in your life, everything else falls into place. Everything else comes together. Life makes sense. You experience the blessing of God, and you are poured into your life blessings and protections and provisions that you couldn't have imagined because God knows those who are his, and he's going to take care of his children. Can I get a big amen for that? I want you to pray with me as we get into this scripture, all right? Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves today and we honor your word. And we pray that as we read your word and study it, today our hearts will be changed. Change us from the inside out. I pray that our minds will be receptive, our hearts will be opened. And our lives will be transformed into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Not for our glory, but for yours. We ask this in his precious name. Everybody said it big. Amen. Amen. Uh, First Kings chapter 17. If you're not there uh, yet, get there. I want to give you the context of this passage. First Kings 17. There's a famine in the land there is a nationwide recession it's going to last 3 years the recession was pronounced by god's prophet elijah in chapter in verse 1 of chapter 17 elijah says here's what god says israel you have abandoned god you have served gold silver and the baals and the asherahs and all the other foreign gods that did not save you from egypt You've abandoned the real God, and so now the Lord's blessing is going to be withdrawn. And so you're going to experience a three-year drought. And in a, and in a large, largely agricultural society, this is a very, very big problem. And so they're in the midst of this recession. They're in the midst of this drought for three years, and, and theologians believe that the verse that we're going to read from verse 8, we are six months into the recession, six months into the three-year pronounced or prophesied recession, and God sends his prophet to a widow in a town called Zarephath. Let's read together from verse 8. Here's what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to him. The hymn here is Elijah. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now there's the test. Because God said, I'm going to send you to a widow. There was a widow. He said, all right, now give me a drink. And as she was going, so she responded. She said, I'll do it. She goes and gets the water. As she was going to get the water... He called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Now the test goes a little bit higher. And she said, and listen to her testimony, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, it's a recession, it's a famine, it's a drought, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and what's the next word, and die. This is our last meal, our last bit of flour, our last bit of oil, our last meal, and then we're just going to wait for starvation to set in. Things are pretty, pretty bad. Verse 13, and Elijah said to her, do not, and I love the next word, what's the next word? Do not fear, okay? Okay. By the way, in case you didn't know, 365 times the Bible says do not fear or do not be afraid. That's pretty good. For every single day of the year, there's a word for you. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Amen. Okay. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, somebody say first. Somebody say first like you mean it. Make me a little cake of it and bring. Somebody say bring. Somebody say bring it. All right? Bring it to me, and afterward, make something for yourself. First, bake the cake, bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, and until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. And she went and did. If you have your Bible open, it's circle Did circle did or, or did or underline that word did because listen it doesn't matter what you believe about the word of God it matters what you do oh there's there nobody here this morning it doesn't matter how much you believe about this word it matters how you do this word that's where the difference is the difference is in the doing somebody say the difference is in the doing and so she went and she did it and look what happened and she, and he, Elijah, and her household ate for many days. Verse 16, the jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. I want to I recap here for a second. The context of this incident in 1 Kings chapter 17. This is a famine, this is a recession, this is a major economic crisis in the city of Zarephath. This widow, she's not married, she's not rich, she's not prominent, she's a poor widow with a son. Her husband is dead, she's got nobody to provide for her. And widows in the Old Testament were were basically considered the poorest of the poor the most helpless of the helpless she had nothing going for her, on top of which she had nothing to eat and she had a son and she was down to her last meal and there was two and a half years left of this recession she was in the pits of life and I want to give you that context because it's so un- important that you get this her situation was far worse than any of ours Okay? I know we're in a recession. I know times are tough. I know that right now you're like, what am I going to do? Wh- wh- when is this going to end? When are things going to come back? We don't know when that's going to happen. This woman didn't know when it's going to happen. But you're all clothed. You all got a, probably a, a good number of meals coming to you after today's lunch. And so you're not down to your last meal. And the Bible says that the man of God is sent by God. To this poor, destitute, last meal woman with her son, and says, I want you to take what you've got and I want you to bring it to me first. And then I want you to use what's left and feed yourself. And I think that what she was thinking after he said that was she must have walked away from him saying, This guy is crazy. Right? How can you ask me to give? to the work of God in the midst of a recession. <laughs> and I wonder how many of you here, because we are talking about the tithe today. Any financial course that I teach has to start with the tithe. We started with greed, our attitude, but today it's about bringing the first to God. And I wonder how many of you right now are thinking, this pastor is crazy talking about the tithe when times are tough i don't even have a job i don't even i can't even find i'm not even making money what is he talking about this is what i'm talking about when you put god first in your life the rest is blessed you cannot lose when you bank on the living god you can't you can't lose and her situation was far worse than yours now i want you to know a couple things about this text God did not send the prophet Elijah to the widow to provide for Elijah. Because God did not need the widow to provide for Elijah. You read the whole chapter, earlier in the chapter, just a few verses earlier, ravens fed Elijah. He was fed by ravens. The Bible says, I think it's in verse 3 of that same chapter, verse 6, that ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. I mean, that, uh, how many of you guys, that could be just your, your daily diet right there. Bread and meat in the morning, bread. And me, give me a cheeseburger in the morning and a cheeseburger in the evening, I'm good. Actually, right now it's a McRib in the morning and a McRib in the evening, I'm good. That's a man. And so he didn't need the widow. Later on in in 1 Kings chapter 19, in 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, Elijah gets fed by an angel. So God sends an angel to feed Elijah. You know, God can provide any way God wants to provide. And the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19 that Elijah got tired, went to sleep, got a tap on the shoulder, got woken up by an angel, and there the angel had prepared for him a cake and a jug of water. And by the way, that's the Bible's first record of the angel food cake. Right there. God did not need the widow to provide for Elijah. God could have provided for Elijah any number of ways, but he chose this widow to test her and to ultimately provide for her. Here's what you need to know about the tithe. The tithe is one-tenth of your income that the Bible says comes to the house of, of God. It is one tenth. And by the way, it is not the last tenth. It is the first tenth. He said, Bring me first a cake and water and then use what's left to provide for you. This was a big time test of faith. It's a test. That's what you need to know about the tithe. It's a test. It's a test. Somebody say it's a test. Will you trust God with the first tenth understanding and knowing? He can provide in a million ways for you. And he does not fail you when you honor him first. It just, you never go wrong. So it's a test. By the way, the number ten in the Bible is, the, is God's number of testing. Numbers in the Bible have various meanings. The number three means community. The number five means gr- is the number that represents grace. The number seven represents perfection. The number 12 represents governance. Okay, the number 40 um, uh, is another number for testing, but the number 10 is specifically mentioned many times in the Bible as a testing number. Uh, Daniel chapter 1, Daniel is tested with the diet of the Lord for 10 days. Uh, in Luke chapter 19, the workers were given 10 minas as a test to see what they would produce. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, interesting number. Verse 10, the church of Smyrna, the Bible says, God says to them that you're going to be tested by Satan for 10 days. When Moses comes down from the mountain, he's got how many commandments? Ten commandments Um, over and over and over again. The number ten. Jesus ascended and ten days later the Holy Spirit descended. The number ten is always representative of a test in the scriptures. So the the first tenth of your income is a test. Did you know every time you get paid you take a test? How many of you were that kind of kid? You showed up in school and the teacher said, okay, take out your pencils, put your books away, it's time for an exam. And you went, what test? You know, you just caught off guard. When you take your paycheck home, you take a test every single time you take it home. And the test is this, who am I going to honor, who am I going to trust, who am I going to regard with the ability to gain this income and here's what many of you are doing you're failing the test you're failing to test every single paycheck because you take what is God's and you first pay the mortgage company and you take what is God's and you first pay the electric company or you first pay the gas company or you first pay the God forbid the cable company It belongs to God. And you are putting it into other places first. Let me tell you something. The mortgage company cannot bless you. Amen. The cable company cannot bless you. It's a curse, man. The gas company cannot bless you. The electric company cannot bless you. The credit card company cannot bless you. There's only one person that can bless you. Only God can bless your life. And you're taking what's God's and you're handing it over to all these other things, it's no wonder you're out of money all the time. This is what I get from everybody who tries to tithe at the end and doesn't do it. They always say this, I can't do it. There's never enough money left. That's right, because you already failed the test. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 9, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your income, and then your, your barns will be filled with grain, and your vats will be filled with new wine. The blessing comes after you pass The test. There are two awesome benefits to honoring God with the first, to honoring God with the first tenth. The blessings or the benefits are provision, somebody say provision, and protection. Somebody say protection. God provides and then God protects. He provides and he protects. Look at this widow. The Bible says she first provided for the man of God. She brought the first to him. And then the jug of oil did not run dry, and the jar of flour never went empty. The entire recession, she was fine. God provided. Protection, number two. The protection happens later on in the story. We're not going to read it. I'll just give you the summary. Her son dies. She's got only one son. She's got no family, just a kid. He dies. The Bible says she calls to Elijah. She says, what have I done? I did everything you wanted me to do, and now my son's dead. And the Bible says Elijah takes the son, and he brings him up to the room, and he lays on the boy three times, uh, uh, you know, just to, to raise the boy. The boy comes back to life, and, she, and he hands the boy back to the woman, and the boy is now alive again. That's the protection of God. I want to ask you a question. Did God know that this woman's son was going to die? Yes when she passed the test elijah stayed in her home and was there to raise the boy i don't know about you but in the midst of this recession i would like god's protection over my life i would love god's protection and i can't tell you how many times god has protected me because all my working life all my working life i have brought the 10th to god and it's the 10th of the gross for me It's the tenth of the gross, because you know what? The tax man doesn't come before God. I give the gross tenth to God, and the rest is blessed. And I have never wanted for nothing. In fact, I can tell you right now, God has provided for me so amazingly. I look around in my life, and I say, Lord, I don't deserve this. It's just a blessing. I'm amazed at how well God has provided for me. I mean, it is wonderful, because you know what? You can't outgive God. Just can't do it. And then protection. Uh, this is kind of funny how God has protected me. God has let things last longer in my life than they should have. One time our washing machine was broken, and, and we were going to have to get it fixed, and I got an estimate, or tried to find a new one, and we were very, at this time, very early on in the ministry, we did not have much money, and the, and, 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 and the, truth, the truth of the story goes like this, that Cheryl, my, my beautiful wife, who had just given birth to my second born, Connor, goes down, and she just kind of lays hands on that washing machine, she didn't know what she was doing, she didn't pray, she didn't do nothing spiritual like that, she just went, mm, like that, and it started working again. <laughs> And it worked for like six more months like that to the point where we could afford a new one or to get it fixed. God has done that. I can't tell you, I have driven two cars long past their expiration date. And they ran fine for me. And and I kind of hesitate to tell you the story because you're going to think less of me. But let me, I want to give you God's perspective of this they they should have broken down many many moons before i sold them and i sold them and you i can't i I just tell you the truth as soon as i sold them the person that owned them i knew they weren't bringing the tenth to god and those cars quickly deteriorated and became driveless in in no time for them and what's the moral of the story the moral of the story is number one do not buy a car from me (laughs) (laughs) unless you bring the tithe because that's God's protection he just has a way I mean it just really comes down to this Waters Church is he God or is he not if he's not God then don't do it but if he's God and he's able and he can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think then you better believe when you honor him with the first the rest is blessed and protected beyond your wildest imaginations Amen. That's right. Give God praise. Give God praise. Protection, provision. The woman's son dies, the woman's food is in her house. And some of you are stressing every single paycheck because you fail the test and there's no provision left. In, in, in Malachi, it says you're under a curse. You're under a curse because of that. It's, it's very simple math. Here, here's the math. It's so simple, so simple, okay? 100% of what you make and curse, or 90% of what you make and God's blessing. I'm not a smart man, <laughs> but I'll take this one. I mean, seriously, seriously. It's so simple. Malachi chapter 3, here's, here's what he says, and we read this a lot to you when we take the offer. I get that, but just hear it fresh. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the full tithe. Here's what I want to say. A lot of people say, start with 2%, 3%, 4%, and see how it works. That's not tithing. Tithe means one-tenth. You can't pay 10% by paying 2%. You try that with your credit card company. You try that with your mortgage company. They're going to be like, get lost. Okay? So you can't give God a tenth by giving him two percent. Bring the full tithe, and then... Bring it into the storehouse. Every time the Bible talks about the tithe, it says you bring it to the house of faith. Every single time. Okay? Bring it to the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the what? There it is. The number again is testing. It's, It's not just God testing us. It's us testing God. And I got good news for you. God has never failed a test. I wish I could have got an amen for that one. He has never failed a test. He's an A student. He's a 4.0 GPA. Amen. And so, test me in this, says the Lord. Put me to the test. I'll show you what I'll do if I will not throw open the windows of heaven for you and pour out such a blessing of provision, there's the provision, until there is no more need. And then he goes on and he says, verse 11, this is the best part. I will rebuke the devourer for you. How how many want the the, the devourer rebuked in your life? I'm sick of losing. I'm sick of the decay of my stuff. I'm sick of seeing my my investments go way down. And I'm sick of seeing this recession tear me apart inside and out. And and God says, I'm going to rebuke that process for you so that it will not destroy you. There's the protection. The fruits of your soil and the vine of your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord. Provision, protection. You cannot go wrong with God that's my presentation about the tithe now let me address the rebuttals that are formulating in some of your minds because I've heard them all before and they're very weak all right because I know this and, and every time I preach on tithing it's a guarantee I just look forward to that email it's going to come Monday or Tuesday. It might come before this service is over because y'all got those smartphones now? Just text, you know, you know just start emailing right now. I know exactly what I'm going to tell this guy. I'm so mad. He's talking about money in a recession. And, and I'm going to, all right, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to make sure you got the email address correct. I'm going to give you the address. Here's what you want to do. You want to send those complaints to Pastor Tim at rip.com Because I've heard all the rebuttals. I've gotten all the little nasty grams before, and I want to respond. First rebuttal. I don't tithe because tithing is Old Testament, and I'm under the New Testament. I'm not under law. I'm under grace. Ladies and gentlemen, every law in the Old Testament is not diminished in the New Testament. It's elevated. In the Old Testament, do not murder. In the New Testament, don't even get angry. Now, you don't do that for anything else in life. You don't say, you know, I shot my neighbor the other day because he started his snowblower at 6 a.m. I just killed him. I just had to do it. I just couldn't take it anymore. Well, you're you're a Christian. Yeah, I know, but I'm under grace now. I'm under grace. So I don't do the law thing. You don't do that. (laughs) The Old Testament, do not commit adultery. The New Testament is what? Do not even look lustfully. The law's not diminished under the new covenant. It's elevated. Secondly, tithing wasn't part of the law. It came well before the law. 450 years before the law, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14. It says this, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Bread and wine represent Jesus. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God, most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And Abram was exceedingly wealthy, because he honored God with the first. Uh, It goes back to Cain and Abel. Cain gave God his leftovers, and Abel gave God the firstborn of his flocks, and God looked with favor on Abel, and on Cain he did not look with favor. Now, the Bible says about that story, what happened to Cain? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 4 that Cain got angry. Better translation reads, Cain got offended because God did not regard his offering. And I've heard a thousand people talk about how Cain got angry and didn't deal well, well with his anger. Because God did not regard his offering with favor. But I got a question for you. How about we take a look at that scripture from God's point of view? I think God was offended. I think God was offended when Cain had the audacity to bring God his leftovers. You know, we're a funny bunch of Christians in America. We want God to bless us. We want God to protect us. We want God to provide for us. We want God to honor us. We want God to love us. We want God to shower his blessings on us and heal us and take care of us. But then we take and give everything that we have to everybody else and give God the leftover pieces of the pie. I think God is offended by that. Somebody's got to fight the case of God. And I'll take the shots if you want to send me the nasty gram. But we've got to say it from God's point of view. He has given you the blood of his only begotten son. Do you get more of God under the new covenant or less? You get far more. He deserves far more. And by the way, tithing is just like the training wheels of giving. It's the start. It loosens your grip. So that you can go beyond that and you can start to give to other people and other things. And, and, and Cheryl and I, we do that. We, we sponsor children overseas. We sponsor the, 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 the sex trafficking campaign when they came through. We started sponsoring that. And it's funny. Every time we pick up a new thing to give to, God just multiplies the rest. It's an amazing thing. You cannot give God. So don't come to me with that tithing's Old Testament and this is New Testament. Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 23. This is the second rebuttal. Jesus said nothing about tithe. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Only thing is, he said in the midst of a rebuke of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he says, you guys give a tenth of your spice rack, but you you neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, Jesus said. Now, if that's the only scripture about tithing, guess what? We need to do it. Jesus said it. You should tithe, but don't neglect the more important things. So this idea, I, 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 Jesus never said it, not true. the old covenant, not true. It's, it's a principle from the beginning. Third rebuttal. Well, I give my tithe to a struggling relative, or I give my tithe to a missionary, or I give my tithe to my friends or my son or whatever. That's not tithing, friend. It comes to the house of the Lord. So that, listen. The house of God can continue to preach the gospel, which changes hearts and transfers people from the kingdom of hell into the kingdom of light. I got a real simple question for you. Is that a worthy investment? You better darn well believe it is. See, here's the problem with the church in America. Here's the problem. We take what belongs to God and we give it to rated R movies. And then we wonder why our teens are sexually promiscuous we take what belongs to god and we give it to violent video games and then we wonder why our teenage son has an anger problem we take what belongs to god and we give it to the lottery or the casino or something else that does not have anything good to offer the society and then we wonder why is why is america in such a mess we've abandoned our god this, this, this cannot be a one-sided argument, ladies and gentlemen. There's a God in heaven who has done everything necessary to make your life blessed and prosperous. Stop arguing with this thing. Stop debating about it. Stop searching for reasons to be cheap with God and honor him and bless him and give him what is his. And he will bless your life in more ways than you can possibly imagine. Number four, final rebuttal. Worship team can come. Number four rebuttal. Pastor, I just can't afford to tithe. (laughs) Real simple. It's just 10%. I got a question for you. If tomorrow you walk into your office and your boss says, we're cutting your pay by 10%, would you die? Would you die? No, you'd survive. You'd cut back. You'd be careful with your spending. You'd be more cautious of expenditures. You'd reevaluate that cable bill, that Showtime subscription. You'd reevaluate that one. And you'd say, i gotta start, I got to start making ends meet. You can do this. You can do this. At the, at the end of the day, here, here's what it is. It's not that you can't tithe. It's that you don't want to. That's it. And I just got to say as a pastor, that to me is extremely sad. You don't want to honor God. don't want to honor God with the basic fundamental doctrine of bringing him the first. I want to say it practically like this, too. If you're trying to tithe at the end after everything's paid, two things. Number one, you'll never be able to do it. And number two, you haven't trusted God anyway. That takes no faith. If I say, okay, God, I'm going to tithe after I pay my mortgage bill, my my electric bill, my cable company, all that, then I will give you the leftovers. First off, there's never going to be leftover. And secondly, there's no faith required in that formula. That's not faith. Faith says, God... Here's your piece of the pie first. Do you know why? Do you know why I give God the first piece of the pie? Because he made the stinking pie. (laughs) He made it. And I know if I give him the first piece, the other nine pieces are going to just go farther and and, and spread wider than I could imagine. Because he's God. And he loves you. And he's going to protect you and He's going to provide for you. And you're going to see. Here, here, here's last thing I want to say. Here's a guarantee. Do this. Some of you need to do this. I want you to tithe to this church for 10 months. For 10 months. That's a, that's a testing number right there. If at the end of 10 months you are not more blessed, you can't make ends meet, and you are at the end of your rope I want you to come back and tell me I want you to come back and tell me and we will give you your money back and I'm not joking it's on film Easton it's on film you can take this to the bank because I am that confident in my God's ability in the midst of this recession to provide for you as you honor him first it's a no-brainer. I know I'm never going to have to pay anybody back because God does what God does. Now, th- th- there is one caveat to that equation, okay? Don't go giving God 10% and then Mohegan's son 80%. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to be faithful with the rest. We'll talk about that next week. But put him first. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be. What's the words? Added unto you. Would you stand with me today?